I work with high performers who are unhappy. You know, not all of my clients are unhappy. They're, some of them are like me where they weren't challenged. Hello, I am Joel Ingram, and this is Crisis to Crushing It podcast. Let's dive into this week's talk, and I'll help to increase perspective, expand perception, and allow you to change your reality. Enjoy the show. Okay, so today on the show, I have Bimari Roman. She helps professionals get out of paralysis analysis, gain confidence, and take massive action to find a career that moves them. After 20 years as a successful career, Bimari found herself bored, frustrated, and discouraged. She realized that she had outgrown her career and was unmotivated to re-enter the job market. She feared the transition from doing work that supported her for so long to doing work that followed her purpose and passion. Thankfully, her self-doubt did not last very long. In 2013, she earned a certificate in meeting management and started her first company, Be Productive Meetings and Events. She was blessed with a great start, but something was still missing. After attending Tony Robbins Unleash the Power Within and hiring a coach, she discovered that her true passion has always been mentoring and strategizing the success of others. In 2014, she received a global certificate in leadership coaching. She founded Be Productive Coaching and since then has been serving clients from all over the world working virtually. With over 20 years of experience in leadership, Vermari has successfully mentored and coached hundreds of high professional professionals in various industries, assisting their transition into exciting and fulfilling jobs where they earn their worth. Vimari, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joel. Thank you. I'm excited to be here with you. Excellent. Your, your skill set is particularly pertinent right now, <laughs> which, which we will be going into. <laughs> okay. I didn't plan that. <laughs> okay. Okay. So tell me, what's going on in the world right now for you? A lot's going on, Joel. I've actually, I took 2019 to really discover uh, myself as a coach and to rebrand. I found that my clients uh, formed my niche. And so I needed to make sure that whatever I was putting out there, the marketing and everything was speaking to that. And so um, I just rebranded. I launched a brand new website. So it's the Be Productive Coaching dot com um, as you mentioned i uh because of the pandemic this is something i had not expected to do but i did launch a weekly mental health and self-care support group and i've uh, i promote that through my social media channels i also have a list of past clients and colleagues that i promoted to via email and that's been going great it's been six yesterday we celebrated our six week we had our first guest it was a mental health uh therapist who came on to answer some questions and that's free that's available to anybody it happens on wednesdays at 12 noon for one hour and it's via zoom so um Definitely, they can register on Eventbrite if they're interested to attend that. And it's called Face Everything in Rice. Um, I t- Face Everything in Rice. I took it from, if you take the first letter of each word, it spells out fear. Um, oh, nice. Yeah, and it's all about facing our fears and rising above everything that's going on. Um, and then the last thing that I do have which I didn't plan again. Uh, Last year, I wanted to launch my first group program. 
and it didn't happen because the rebranding was a little bit delayed but i am launching it in june and it's to help professionals transition into doing the career of their dreams um, and so it's funny how things are divinely guided and how there couldn't be a more perfect time for me to launch this program and, and i'm going to start it with a small group eight people is my goal um, a small beta testing group um, because it's what I'm doing is I'm taking everything that I do with individuals one-on-one -on -one, and I'm bringing it to a group platform um, and so by the end of this course which is five weeks individuals will have the confidence and the tools that they need in order to go ahead and take that leap of faith and move forward with the career of their dreams and so I'm really excited about that. I, um, again, I didn't plan it. Um, I didn't know that we were going into a pandemic and that so many people were going to be laid off and would want to take this time to really go inside and figure out, you know, am I doing work that means something to me or do I want to go into something else? Uh, and I've seen it in a lot of different industries, particularly the hospitality industry was hit very hard um, all over the world. And I'm seeing, I, I used to be in that industry, and so I belong to a group on Facebook, and I'm seeing messages from people saying, you know, I don't know if I want to go back into what I was doing before. And so I find that this pandemic is giving everyone um, food for thought, especially with the work that we do. And so it'll be transitioned to to the career of your dreams is the name of the course. Oh, I like that. That's nice. And that's really, I, I can say everything, you know, that's what's going on. No, it's, uh, yeah. well, as I just said before, this is a particularly pertinent time. It's, uh, this, I mean, who, who could ever have managed, uh, imagine that, you know, so there would be such global change where people suddenly have to ask or they may be in a position to ask themselves those questions, you know? Um, so, I mean, you've had moments of change. Well, I know there's one particular story that I'd like you to go into is when the story when you found yourself without your nine to five. Okay, certainly. So uh, that story, it's, it's sort of a long story in the, term, in, in the sense that there were different things that happened to lead up to this. Um, so I found myself, I think it was in 2012, where I was at a job I loved with a company that just loved me, um, very highly regarded. I had a great team of sales managers that were representing different hotels and they were amazing. They were all really surpassing their goals. I had this beautiful corner office um, I came to the office, I'm more of a night person, so I would wake up and I always had my morning routine, so I would do my morning routine and I would come into the office at whatever time I wanted. Um, you know, usually I would be there by nine, 10 o'clock in the morning and everything was perfect, but I wasn't challenged. I was making great money, but my, my I just was not challenged. So I found myself bored. I found myself a lot of times look, looking around in my office thinking, okay, well, what else can we do? And during that time is when I started to bring in self-care into the office. And um, I started to bring in yoga in the evenings for my, uh, for my sales managers uh, and my team and, and doing all of that. 
then I was reached out by a company who was looking for a director of sales and marketing at their hotel. And I had in my thinking, what's next for me? One of the things that I thought was I didn't want to commute anymore. My commute at the time from my home to my office was about an hour. And this particular company that reached out to me was only 15 minutes away from my house. And it wasn't the hotel that I would normally go want to work at. Um, it was an airport hotel. And most of the hotels that I represented were beach resorts, um, whether here in the United States or on the, in the Caribbean or Puerto Rico, um, Latin America, I meant. And so, you know, I went to the interview, I interviewed well, I, they said, well, what's, a, what's, you know, what's it going to cost us to have you? And I threw a crazy number at them and they accepted, they accepted that number. And I said, okay, well, I have no choice now, but to take it because they're giving me the money that I asked for. It's 15 minutes from my house. I've been asking for a challenge, um, because I'm bored. And so it fit all the boxes. I made the transition. I left the, the company that I loved within the team that I loved, which I still have a picture in my office of that team. Nice. Um, yeah. And so I left there. I started this new opportunity and I knew the first day that that was not the right fit for me. And even though I knew that I got that, that first day. And the reason that I did that, that I thought that was because I showed up, dressed to kill in my gray suit with um at the time and then I had a gray suit and I had a colorful I live in Miami and so Miami you know it's very colorful so I had a colorful shirt and I had my fuchsia shoes pumps closed toe shoes which are very appropriate for a hotel because of safety and they tell me okay well you should go to the orientation so I have already met my team and my team was there and I was introduced to the team. I met HR already in the morning and I go to this orientation where there's a few other employees, new employees sitting. And the presentation talks about the colors that they don't allow and the dress code that is not allowed. And no one ever mentioned this to me during the interview and no one ever you know, HR had the opportunity to tell me when I walked in, hey, you might want to go back home real quick and change. No one ever said anything. They allowed me to go and meet my team, the team that was going to be reporting to me. And so I, I think if there was ever a time in my career that I felt humiliated, it was that, that moment. And although I knew when I felt that way, I, I put my head up high and I said, I'm going to walk around with my fuchsia shoes and my gray suit, <laughs> you know, and I'm just going to go about my day. And I did. And um, at the beginning, my boss at the time, he was a general manager, wasn't his best behavior with me because he needed me. The hotel needed me. And I knew we, the hotel had no standards in place. I had no one. I had to become very... Um, uh resourceful because i didn't have any resources from from corporate or anything and so that was when the entrepreneur in me truly um came out because i needed to become 
resourceful. And I was also very determined to turn things around. So I was really earning what they were paying me. And I went from 15, representing 15 hotels to one hotel, thinking that my hours were going to lessen, that I was going to work less. And I was working double, um, really, you know, maybe 12 to 15 hour days. And so I gave myself a year for this. Um, I said, okay, within a year, I'll, I'm just going to let it look good in my resume because most of us, and I came coming from a corporate background, you know, you're afraid to jump around. You don't want to seem like you're not stable. And so I said, I'll give myself a year to stay in this position and then I'll look for something else. So fast forward right before I was, in November it was going to be a year of 2013 and that's when I said I would I was going to quit well my boss decides to turn on me a month before that and surprises me with our global VP of sales and um, presents me with a document that he was not happy with um, the success of my team and so we, I went back and forth. His numbers were incorrect because we were all manual and he didn't like that. And so from that moment on, my boss and I were not getting along. Um, fast forward, maybe two weeks later, HR calls me in and they give me a beautiful severance package and asked me to part ways. And that would have probably been a really scary moment, but I was so joyful of joy because I was about to quit that job without a severance, without, you know, putting away really any money, even though I knew that I was only going to be there a year. And here I am being gifted this severance package and, um, and, and we went our separate ways. And so I went home. I was extremely happy. And a couple of weeks later, I'm having a real moment. I'm in front of the television eating my lunch. And I'm like, what is going to happen? This is the first time ever that I've never been with a job, that I don't have a job. And, and that, you know, what am I going to do? And, and so all, these, all this fear started to creep into me. And Joel, I can't make this up the phone rang and I looked at the phone and I almost didn't pick it up because it was a number I didn't recognize. And so, but these smartphones are so sensitive or they used to be even more sensitive, I think. And so the call picked up itself. And so I found myself, you know, good afternoon. This is Vamari. And it was someone who was referred to me. It was my first client. Um, she was referred to me by a client that I had seven years prior at another hotel that I worked and um, she was planning a meeting. She didn't know how to plan this meeting. And her friend who worked for the same company said, I know someone who can help you plan this meeting and she's excellent. And he gave her my number. And I just sat there with my lunch beside me. And I said to this woman, well, I no longer work in hotels, but I can certainly help you because I'm independent now. And this is what I do. Now, mind you, I didn't have a company, I didn't have anything, so I took her specs and took all the information to work with me, and I went to it right away. Um, and so I had a friend of mine who was a meeting planner for some time. I worked with her 
10 years prior. And so I called her right away and I said, Hey, listen, I have this new client. Um, I don't have a company. Do you mind if I use your company? And then, you know, I can pay you a commission or whatever it is. Um, and she said she agreed. And so I started to work under her company name and started to help this client of mine. And my friend at the time said, perhaps we should go into business together. And we, um, and at the, she, she had a, she took on a full-time job so that company was just sort of sitting there and I said absolutely but let's not talk until January because I want to be able to work with Vicky and really just figure out what I want to do and so January came about and I was just I decided this is what I want to do you know there's no other hotel out there that's going to challenge me I've been there done that I need a I need a change and so I called my friend and I said, I'm ready. Let's, let's do this. Let's put it together a partnership agreement. And she says, well, I'm sorry to tell you, but I'm going through a divorce and I can't, I have to stay and, and, and keep this full-time job. Thought about it. And I said, okay, no, don't worry. You know, good luck. I hung up the phone. I found out how to open up a company. I opened up be productive meetings and events that same day. And launched my first company. Um, and so now that I had this company, that's when I got certified as a meeting planner. Um, I was, I went to Mexico to get that certification and I just started to promote myself to clients that I knew from the hospitality industry. And so I had a great start with, with my company, but as you mentioned, when you introduced me, uh, I, something was still missing. And what was missing was my teams. I really missed my teams. I missed the mentoring component. I missed, um, you know, just seeing them grow. And so, and I, and, and that's when I started, I thought maybe a trainer, I would become a trainer because I didn't know about coaches at the time. And I uh, started to look into growth for me. That's when I went to Tony Robbins and I, I did the Unleash the Power Within. I walked on fire. So I released all of my fears and I um, and then I hired a coach through Tony Robbins. And that was my first experience with a coach. Um, and in working with him initially was to grow my company. And then after I started to get comfortable with him, then I said, okay, well, wait a minute. What if my company's not really well? what I want to grow. What if this is what else I want to do? And, um, and he encouraged me to get certified as a coach. And that's really how I, that's the story of how I came to becoming an entrepreneur and to becoming a coach. That's, you couldn't have written that. <laughs> Can you? No. Have you got a book yet? Not yet. <laughs> <laughs> Wow, that's crazy. You know, it just blows my mind when uh, we sometimes when we make space for ourselves, how, how something else is willing to fill that space and it's already there. Like that connect, that connect, that phone call come about from a prior connection. Absolutely. But that couldn't come into your life when you had a full time job. It's, yeah. I don't know. So okay, <laughs> that's. that's I, I, as you know, as you know, that's particularly pertinent for me right now. So, 
Okay, so I've got a question then. So what keeps, and this is, appreciating now this is slightly off script from what we, uh, when we okay. discussed in the pre-interview questions. What keeps us stuck? What keeps us, like you mentioned fear when you was telling that story. You didn't actually say like what the fear was or what was it about or, you know, what, what's the context of the fear that keeps us there? Because not everybody can do what you did. say this because it sounds so coachy but it's limiting beliefs you know it's it's believing that we're not worth it or that we can't do it um and so for me personally it was i i um i lived with my father when my parents got divorced in new york and at the age of 17, I graduated from high school and my dad married someone I, that didn't like me and, and, and in turn, I didn't like her. And so I had a savings because I started working at the age of 15 and I moved out on my own. And originally I wanted to become a psychologist. That's what I wanted to major in. And, but now I found myself working full time and living in New York with very high rents on my own and I had a good job. And so I put off going to college and I said, you know, I'll go when I'm, when I can afford it or you know, when I have the time and my career took off. And so for many years, I didn't leave the hospitality industry because I believed that I wasn't worthy. I didn't have a degree. And here I was in a industry that I was very highly regarded in. And I felt that if I were to try to leave that industry, it was almost like I was going to be a fake and that I wasn't going to be a successful. And so that fear kept me, held me in the hospitality industry probably a lot longer than I should have. It's, it was 22 years that I spent in that industry. And, and, and I, I mean, and I'm, I feel blessed and I'm grateful for it because I really grew and it really, um, having that corporate background, I think, you know, was, is key to what I do today. So I think, you know, everything has led to this, but what holds us back is whatever limiting belief we have. So our fears could be different you know, fears are different for everybody. Yeah. And, and that was my fear. Hopefully that answers your question. Yeah, no, no. It's, uh, and I'm the same. I'm, I'm 22, I think 22 years in, in mine. So, uh, but what I've become in, so when you, when you reached that point where you said like, I'll give myself a year and then it sort of, they brought it forward a little bit. Was that just the fact that you give it a year because, you know, your hours went up and all the other extra things that sort of you weren't expecting to be there? Or was that because you were actually positioning or you'd had an awareness that maybe this wasn't for you? I, I knew it wasn't for me. Like I said, from the moment that I walked in with my fuchsia shoes, 
I knew, you know, and I wasn't told anything and I saw that, um, that, that corporate, you know, guideline, I was just like, this is not the company for me. It, it just, it wasn't, their values didn't align with mine. And then as I started to see and feel the culture, um, and that's something that you don't necessarily know until you're actually there. Um, as I started to go to meetings and really get the feel of that culture, I knew that, you know, this is not for me. This is, I'm never going to be happy here. And, and it doesn't matter how much money I'm making. It's never going to make me happy. And so I gave myself a year again because of fear, not because I had to wait a year. Nothing told me I had to wait a year. I told myself I had to wait a year. And the reason I told myself that I had to wait a year is because I didn't want it. Again, I was doing it for others. I didn't want it to look bad on my resume. And not that I didn't want it to look bad on my resume for me. I didn't want it to look bad on my resume for others. And so even though I could explain, let's say I left there in two, in two or three months, you know, usually probation period if you're on a probation is three months right does that's and i always told my employees this is a time where we're getting to know each other whether it's going to work for you it's going to work for me you know if it's not a good fit within three months we should all know that well i could have explained that if i left that job and went job searching but i wasn't following my own advice because of my own fears and um you know i was always proud of the fact that in 22 years, I only worked for about three or four companies. And so I never jumped around. I, one of the reasons I didn't jump around was because I had the fear that I wasn't going to get the promotion at the other place that didn't know me. It was easier for me to get promoted somewhere. I had already proven myself. Um, but I said a year would look good on the resume. It would say that I committed to something and then I can explain why I'm leaving. Um, and, you know, I didn't get the opportunity to say here I quit, which is perfect because, you know, everything happened divinely as it should have. But that's why I waited and I gave myself that year and, and it was the awareness of, no, this is not for me. Um, it's not aligned with who I am. And then, and the fear came in of you can't do it before that. Okay. You just mentioned um, values and culture. You, is that something you look for with the clients you want to work with? Absolutely. So, yes, absolutely. You know, if, <laughs> that experience taught me that if I feel it's not a good fit, I have to go with it and, and really trust, trust that gut instinct. And that's why I do a free consultation with my clients as well now as a coach. Uh, and my free consultation is 30 minutes, sometimes an hour, because I really want to get to know their belief system. I want to get to know whether or not we're a good fit. Hmm. And I, and that's why in my marketing and in my um, website, I talk about high performing, uh, high performance coaching, because that's who I'm attracted to. And that's who works well with me. Um, as someone who's already got that motivation, that, that want and that need to grow, uh, because that's, 
that's where I can really tr see the transformation. Um, when you have someone who's lacking that motivation and that fire within, you can certainly help them, but that's not who I prefer to work with at this time. Um, I feel that my personality fits that of the high performer, that person that's got the fire within them to make the change. And it's, you know, and then we could just work on, on that transformation rather than me working on their mindset. Yeah, no, absolutely. I completely get that. So uh, to get to that point, then you've obviously had clients that haven't been a perfect fit. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> um, and, you know, I've only had two clients um, since 2014 that were not a perfect fit and that I knew right away. I've had other clients that perhaps, you know, we said, okay, well, we've worked together and now it's time to, you know, I tell them you don't need to renew or they tell me they don't need to renew. But there were two and I knew them. I knew, I knew both of them, which is a funny thing from my past lives, you know, in hospitality. And I shouldn't have taken them on as clients because they didn't have that drive and that fire within them. Um, one particular didn't. And then the second person, there was just a lot more uh, mindset work that needed to be done. And, and some people are just not coachable. Um, and then yeah. that's, not to, that's not to say that they're not coachable ever. Yeah. It's that they're not coachable at that time. So at the time that I was working with that individual, they were not coachable. And so it doesn't matter what I was doing. They weren't following through with the assignments. They weren't doing the work. And if you don't do the work, you know, Joel, there aren't going to be any results. And so with that taught me, it just, it really, it teaches you how to really ask the right questions during the, the free consultation to get to know where they're at. I know have a list of questions that I use you know that are always with me and, and granted I go off script also and and I go and I follow my gut but yeah that's basically how I learned um, that process no, I, I know. oh absolutely yeah it's uh, it's, it's crazy because when I look back uh, to that point when I, when I pivoted any time before that crisis point I was not coachable I was not of a mind what I wanted or was willing to do the work that needed to be done to change. And that just blows my mind to think, you know, you can, you can hit well, 40 plus and be in that frame of mind. And then since I, since I transitioned over to this, the new role, I've done like, you know, different um, uh, corporate trainers, like, you know, like the bells and the caps and stuff like that. And there's people come into this and this is all stuff that you're exposed to. Once you're in the personal development world and you've worked on yourself, mm -hmm. there's a lot of content that comes up in there that mm -hmm. you've already touched on multiple times, multiple ways. I mean, and it's not, not to say you're not going to take anything from it, but what blew my mind was the number of managers in there that had never contemplated aspects of it. Mm -hmm. And then I just saw how, how can this, global entity have these people that are making these decisions, you know, for, for the longevity of the company, not be aware of these things. It's, 
I mean, you've probably seen that with companies that you've worked at too, where, where you know, they, they don't, they're not feeding the people that work there mm-hmm. the right things. Absolutely. You know, one of the things is that companies promote good employees. They don't look for good leaders necessarily. Mm-hmm. And that's not every company. No. But the majority of the companies promote someone who does a great job but doesn't, they don't look at, are they a great leader? Because you can be an excellent individual contributor and not necessarily team or leading, you know, whatever it is. Um, and I think that that's where the, the disconnect is. Um, you know, leaders want to learn more about themselves. Mm-hmm. They, they are constantly learning. Um, you know, if you listen to different podcasts, you read different books, you know, the, our, our stories and our journeys are all different, but when we lead, we pretty much all do the same thing, you know, or the same practices. And Mm -hmm. so, um, it, it doesn't, it's like working at, it's like, you know, someone who wants to, um, be lean and, you know, and maybe eat well and exercise and you're going to see some results, right? So it's the same thing of being a leader. You feed, feed your mind and, you know, you have to have that in order to really grow. And, and I think that that's where the disconnect is. Yeah. No, I, uh, it's an, it's an intrigue in how companies can be so different. And I think when they're, when they're such a, if they're such a big company, it can take them so long to sort of turn the corner to bring in this, you know, the new culture or the new routines that are needed. Whereas obviously like a small medium enterprise or the new startups, it's there already because they got the ability to shift, you know? So. Yeah, startups yeah. are great because startups, number one, I think that, um, and I hate to say this, but they're younger, you know, usually people that are a little bit more innovative and open-minded. Right. And, um, I have a client who during our coaching call the other day, actually we're not coaching currently her, her package is up and she called me for advice. And so, um, there was a, uh, startup that reached out to her and she's like, you know, but I don't see a job description. Should I ask for a job description? I said, no, because Startups are, they will define those job descriptions as they go. You know, they're just starting up. So you're going to be doing a whole bunch of different things. They're just identifying their talent right now. And they want to make sure that you're the right fit. And, um, and so I'm fascinated by startups because I think that, you know, the thought process is so much different. And if corporate, you know, corporate corporations have been around for a long time, can sort of take on a little bit of that startup mentality. I mean, just think about, I'm here. I oh. think, okay, there you go. <laughs> uh, okay, you cut out then when you were saying if businesses can take up uh, an aspect or corporates can 
corporations can take on the aspect of the business startup and then you cut out. Yeah, so it's a mind frame the, the, you know, the, um, of the startups mentality, a little bit of it, right? So if you think about it, if you incorporate a little bit of that innovation with um, and mentality with experience, what, you know, how successful can a corporation be? And how, you know, I, I'm listening to an excellent, excellent book right now. Um, it's, hold on. It is, I kept hearing about it, Essentialism. Oh, yeah. Right, did you read it? Yeah. yeah. Good book. Yeah, a great book. <laughs> and, you know, and I feel like he talks a little bit about that. Um, and, and, you know, and I forgot, my, I just lost my train of thought of why I, I wanted to tell you about it. But, yeah, I'm listening to it now. And, um, oh, because he was talking about, the the new companies and they're not new anymore but like you know the googles and you know the world and and these startups how they have um the sleep pods you know it in order to provide that self-care for and sleep for their employees and and how you know they have the plane you know the they might have the billiard you know the pool table or, or different things and so you know, those are, that's important. Those, all those things are important. And granted, a lot of people say, well, you know, they have all these amenities because they want their employees to just stay there and work, right? <laughs> um, but, you know, that just shows that if an employee is happy and if they're, they have the flexibility to do what's important for them, you know, to play, to sleep, to, um, take care of themselves and all of that, then they'll work harder and they'll work a different, you know, we're all different. Some people are morning people, some people are evening people. And so if a company really, really understands that and incorporates that into their um, culture, then I, I think that we would see a lot more happy employees mm -hmm. and, and less people trying to go into the entrepreneur world because you know, I, I mean, most people want to go into the entrepreneur world because they're just not happy at corporate. They're, they're not happy with the demands. Yeah. You know? I, was, I was listening to a friend's podcast yesterday, Andy Storch, uh, Talent Development Hot Seat. And he had a lady on there that was um, discussing um, uh, imposter syndrome, but she also was touching on how they're working, so they're talent developers. So they, they're working with companies uh, to understand the human connection and what's required for the, the people that work there to the, to such a degree that some companies are allowing their employees to go home to walk their dog for half an hour, twice a day. That sort of blew my mind. You know, that's, I thought I, I'm, I'm in a very small part of the UK. Um, <laughs> so I, I haven't been exposed to everything that's out there, but that's, just that concept of being that in tune with your employees that you know that that's important for that, you know, that person. Have you seen that in your travels? Were you aware of it? I didn't know that there were companies out. I wish there was a company like that 13 years ago when I first got my dog. Because... <laughs> 
I would have saved a lot of money. <laughs> he was in, he was, I had to drop him off. I dropped him off every single day for the first year at a doggy daycare because I didn't want to keep him locked up in a cage. And so that a company that would have let me come home for, you know, to walk my dog twice a day would have been ideal and it would have saved me a lot of money. <laughs> so no, yeah. I haven't heard of it, but I think it's, it's amazing. I mean, obviously it sounds like yeah. times are changing. Um, and, and it's exciting to consider that, you know, where these companies might go if, if, if all of a sudden they're giving that much focus to the people that work there. So, like, this is another thing that I've always felt as well, is they never seem to put people in positions of their natural talents. Do you know, like you said, like, about the startup, they're finding their way where they sit, what they're good at, what they're not. You go, you go for roles. People go for roles sometimes because they're curious. I went because I was curious. Um, about the topics I went into, but generally it's like, it'd be a good, it's, it's just, it's a strategic move, which will lead to the next strategic move and on and on and on. Basically you got the scale, but I didn't do my shift for money. I did it up for curiosity and learning. Right. You know? Um, but it's like, if a company could actually embody that at a corporate level, they would, I don't know. It just, it's got to be a point where those pe- those those companies that are that flexible and willing to care enough that much, they just their growth is through the roof, and then it comes to corporate attention. There's, I think there's got to be that inflection point somewhere in time, you know. Uh, Absolutely. I mean, that's why I call, and I'm sorry to interrupt you, um, myself a career strategist, because you need to strategize hmm. your career. You need to strategize you know, based on your strengths and your natural talents and these skills that you've acquired, what's the next step? You know, how do you keep that growth so that you don't get stuck? And so absolutely, I, I, I agree 100% with you. Um, you know, that's a lot of the work that I do is that I work with high performers who are unhappy. You know, not all of my clients are unhappy. There are, some of them are like me where they weren't challenged. Yeah. And so I'm not challenged anymore. That doesn't mean that I hate my team. It doesn't mean I hate my company. It just means that I'm not challenged. So how do I get challenged? How do I, you know, what happens? And a lot of the times we don't recognize our own talents. We don't recognize our own, um, you know, strengths. And so it, it takes someone else working with us to help us strategize that. Um, how, how do you, like, I was been reading about imposter syndrome as well and in this book and, and the lady is saying there's different archetypes for it so there's like this the the perfectionist and there's um there's i don't know it's all different types of archetypes um but then when, when you actually look at uh say that perfectionism element where it can hold you back there's another aspect of what she said was the, the perfectionism is is so intense but a lot of that is based around an inability to recognize our own successes or want to recognize our own successes. Have you come across that? I mean, obviously you do coach that aspect. I coach it and I suffer from imposter syndrome. I mean, it's gotten better, but syndrome from the time that I was in corporate and I was blessed 
to have at that company that I said I still have a picture of in my office. Um, I had an amazing, amazing leader who became a mentor and is now a friend. And she helped me with the imposter syndrome because she sat me down and said, you know, I need you to speak about yourself in meetings. You know, you're speaking, I was speaking with owners and, you know, ownership for different hotels. And she says, you really need to highlight everything that you're doing and, and how it is that your teams are doing so well. And because I was always, my numbers will show, my numbers will show. That would be my attitude. Like, I don't need to brag. I don't need to, um, you know, put myself on a pedestal. Um, and, and, and quite honestly, it was also because I didn't know how I was getting these numbers or how I was getting this success. This success. So it wasn't until she challenged me with that that I started to really pay attention to, okay, so what am I doing differently? Like, what is it that I'm doing that's make, that's helping my teams be successful? Um, and that's when I realized that I was implementing coaching actually, um, without even knowing, knowing it. Um, I brought in a, uh, the strengths, I don't know if you know, you're familiar with Gallup, uh, strengths finder. Um, it's a, okay. So it's a tool that I brought in, uh, to that team and we did a whole exercise. I hired a coach and, and, and brought them in and we looked, we put a graph out as to where everybody's strengths were. And, um, the culture became that we knew who was really great at negotiating. We knew who was really great at relationship building. We knew who was really great at dealing with difficult customers. And, and so the team at first, you know, it was something that I would have to coach them through, but then it became very natural and they would go to each other. Hey, you're really good at this. Or they would go to their graph. Okay. What, what is it that I need? And you know, how can, and so I realized that, okay, so, I'm building a culture. It's not only that I'm hiring great people, I'm building a culture and that's part of my success. And then I started to identify different, you know, other things that were a part of my success so that then I could feel comfortable in speaking about them at meetings with these ownerships and, and, and really, you know, and, you know, what she explained and, and it made sense. It gives you more exposure when you know how to articulate your strengths and who you are, um, it, it gives you a competitive edge. It, um, you know, and, and people really, because, you know, people see that you're successful, but they have no idea why. Um, and a lot of the times, you know, I did get asked, how are you successful? I'm like, I don't know. I just do it. Like you just do it. It's just, you know, and so that's part of imposter syndrome. It's not recognizing where those strengths are coming from, what it is that you're doing. Um, the other thing that um, is, a, is a symptom of imposter syndrome that I have, I didn't want all eyes on me. And, you know, and this transition to an entrepreneur in the social media world has been quite interesting for me because it's, 
I'm not as comfortable. Like I don't, if you look at my social media, I don't do a lot of video because I'm not as comfortable doing video. I avoided podcast forever. <laughs> um, you know, and it took me a while to really put myself out there because I don't want all eyes on me. And then I'm afraid if all those eyes are on me, am I going to live to those expectations? And am I going to let them down? And that's all part of imposter syndrome. That's a, I know, that's, that's a fantastic, no, thank you. Cause no, that provides a lot of, a lot of clarity. It's a, it's a, it's a fascinating subject, especially when like they were going into like the, the physical manifestations of it beside the, you know, the, the lack of confidence, um, lack of self-belief, um, and all those other sorts of things. It was like, you know, uh, chronic migraines, uh, autoimmune diseases. And I was like, what? Is that's nuts? And I know a lot of people. I mean, I, I used to be, uh, I don't know if you've ever heard of cluster headaches, have you? I used to. I don't anymore. Mm-hmm. So I, I used to suffer really like three, four months of headaches, rocking in a corner, crying, just not being able to stop the pain. Mm-hmm. But all that shifted when I, 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 was, I was fearing confrontation. Once I overcome the confrontation, I don't love it now. I, you know, when I go into an interview, I say I don't love confrontation, but I don't fear it anymore. Then that feels a little bit different. The, the headaches lifted, uh, and it, but it culminated in a big, probably overcoming the person that I was most fearful of. And it was, the reasoning was just crazy why I was fearful. It was because I didn't want to be, I wasn't willing to be fully me and I didn't want to rock the boat, you know, and, and, but overcoming that fear allowed me to shed the, the migraines and the, and the cluster headaches. And, uh, and then the next step on from there then was actually this, I, I've tried to exist in this environment, which was toxic. I, I can, you know, I've tried to reframe, I learned my NLP. I did everything I could do to change me in that environment. The only thing I couldn't change <laughs> was, there's other people the environment <laughs> the right. environment yeah yeah so i said you know what i'm done i i've done i can't i can't flip the script on this any more than what i already have i'm done i need to move and that's when and since then it's been you know but just been Amazing. yeah it's i, I how, how old were you when you were having those headaches oh, i had them for seven years so and they stopped uh i started the job last january Three months before, that was probably the last one I had. Okay, so you were in your 30s when no. you were ex- experiencing I, them. Yeah, I had 35 to 42. Okay. I asked that because I, um, I used to suffer from migraines, um, and it was really bad. And that was when I was still living in New York City, and it was in my, 20, in my mid-20s. And... I would have to say, so part of my rebranding, I took a bunch of personal branding classes and I really wanted to get to know myself as a, um, you know, because as a coach, you're selling yourself. Yeah. And I, I learned, there was a class that I took and it was an online class that was really valuable to me because it made me go back to when I started my career. 
So I started my career at the age of 15, taking a part-time job at a hotel. And, and that was great. It was my father's hotel. So, I mean, I, I had to do a good job in order to keep the job, but you know, it wasn't, you know, that hard and, and, and so forth. But when I moved out of my house, I needed to make more money. And that's when I um, put my, my own resume together. So this is how funny life is. Here I am, I help now with professional branding tools, which include resumes. I've been, and I tell people, I've been doing resumes, writing resumes for over 25 years, you know, and not only for myself, but for my friends, my family, my colleagues. And it's just because I love writing and business writing has always been a strength. And so I wrote my own resume and I faxed it. So this is before email. I faxed it over to, I identified. So I was strategizing my career. I was identifying which hotels I wanted to work in Manhattan. And I specifically sent out resumes to, with cover letters just to those hotels. And there were all high-end hotels because I wanted to make sure that I was working at a high-end hotel. And so I got a job at one of those hotels and I was working in the Upper East Side of Manhattan. And I was only, I think now I'm like 19, 20 years old. And I was hired as a supervisor. And a lot of my teams were younger than me. I mean, I'm sorry, older than me. I was the youngest. And at the time we were still wearing as a supervisor, you're still wearing a uniform, but our uniforms were very conservative uniforms. And so I would, I, I used to love to salsa dance. I'm Puerto Rican and it's very natural. And I would go to the Copacabana in New York City and that was my favorite nightclub to go dancing. And so I had two, two sides of me. I had the very conservative, conservative side that wore this conservative uniform to go to work. And then I had this sexy Latina that went salsa dancing in the evenings. And I didn't know who I was because for so long, my career made me into this, I needed to be respected by older people. I didn't want to be known as the sexy Latina because I don't want to, I don't want to be known for getting that promotion because of a sexy Latina. I want to be respected on that, you know, meeting room table, that boardroom. And so here I am very conservative. And then here is my completely different side for my personal side. And so it took me a long time. It wasn't until I moved to Florida, to Miami, that I started to incorporate colors into my wardrobe. Then I started to work in Puerto Rico. And in Puerto Rico, all the women go to the office looking super glamorous and sexy. So when I started to work in Puerto Rico, I was just like, oh, I need to step it up, you know? And so then I started to wear my red lipstick in Puerto Rico. I started to... and. I started to embrace who I am as a person and, and start, and, and I could, and understanding, and this took me, I'm going to be 43 this year. So it took me a long time. Um, I didn't do this. I did this class. I think it was in 2019 or 2018. So it wasn't until 2018 or 2019 that I realized that I had been living too. I was, I didn't know who I was. And so because I was trying to hold up two different personas. 
my personal persona and my professional persona because I thought I needed to keep them separate. And there's not, no reason why I needed to keep them separate because I, I am who I am. And so this fabulous um, personal branding coach said, you know, your style is bold, sexy, elegant. I had bold in my head. Oh, yeah? <laughs> <laughs> so I embraced the bold, sexy, elegant. And that's what I'm hoping that my marketing and my website, you know, puts out because I am bold. Um, you know, I like that sexiness, that fire. And, you know, I've always had that elegance about me. And, 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 I, and I do attribute that to, the, you know, my time in corporate and being able to start my career at such a young age um, and being exposed to many different things. So um, I hope that that answers your question, or I don't know if it was a question, it was a comment that I made <laughs> based on your, <laughs> as a follow-up. Um, but I think it takes time. It takes time for us to really feel comfortable in who we are. Yeah, no, you're so, so, so right. I mean, my wife and I have just started playing with our wardrobes. I mean, like, there's a brand over here called Joe Brown, which is a bit quirky. And uh -huh. we, are, we are both quirky. Uh -huh. no, but over, we're, we're schooling and society and everything else and friendships and peer groups and you could, we conform, <laughs> you know, and so you, you have to kind of go through a phase end of unconform, like unconforming where we, uh, we, we need to sort of like exactly like you said, find ourselves again and exactly what we enjoy and what we love and, and not be in a place where we're, scared to show that person or be that person because that person rocks absolutely and that's the that's the that's that's the person who's going to bring you the most joy if you can live in that most um absolutely but then it's just it's been able to hold that and stand strong in your beliefs and your convictions of who you are so i think that's a fantastic place to leave this conversation actually Vimari. Yes. Um, Give the audience plenty of food for thought. Um, just one final thing to ask you. Uh, yes. What would be the craziest and most exciting thing you could be experiencing in the future? I don't think it's that crazy, but I like, you know, for me, it's crazy because, you know, this, everyone knows entrepreneur, you know, the entrepreneur life is a journey. And so what I like to see is I like to see, you know, a lot of when through my branding, they asked me, well, why don't you just do your branding with your name? And I said, well, I don't really want to do the branding with my name because I have bigger thoughts for this. I have bigger dreams for this. And I want Be Productive Coaching to be a small firm, boutique firm. I want to be able to have a group of coaches that have the same belief systems or similar, you know, similar values. Um, and I want to be able to, to, yeah, to grow, be productive coaching into that. So yes. that to me is like a crazy, because I don't know when it's going to happen. Um, but from the moment that I created be productive coaching, that was always in back of my head. It's not just about me. It's much greater. And I, I, there's only so many people that I personally can touch. So how can I make a difference 
a, a bigger difference and that's by bringing on a team and, and and growing be productive to a small firm and i say small because i don't it's not the dream is not to go big um it's to just be able to help as many people as possible and be able to have a team that we're enjoying this together and, and making a difference and helping people be productive sounds amazing i look yeah. forward to watching your journey thank you <laughs> Okay, well, I'll say wrap it up there. I want to thank you so much for bringing uh, your, your honesty and your opinions today because your story is, is, is so, and I've said it, so pertinent for the world as it is right now. Um, and I think it's powerful. And I think you, you, you're going to soar when you get this out there, especially living in that, you know, bold, sexy Latino and just get it out there and just uh, be, be you, 100% you, you know? Yes, thank you. Thank yeah. you. Thank you for having me. Uh, it's been a pleasure. It's, I've really enjoyed speaking with you and, and I, I feel, I felt that connection immediately. So I thank you for, I'm sorry it took this long, but we made it happen. We did indeed. Thank you very much. You're welcome. So thank you for listening today. I hope you enjoyed it. My name is Joel Ingram and I am a certified NLP coach. I help passionate, resourceful and professional people feel stuck and unfulfilled with aspects of life to rewrite their narrative and chronicle a new, engaging and captivating future. Please subscribe if you found benefit.